Welcome to the Pocha Podcast, Weedy Weedy. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And the Weedy Weedy is the bonus content that we have with the Pocha Podcast. It's Charlene and I, what Charlene? Just shooting talking. Shooting the shit. Shooting mm-hmm. the shit. I call it clucking like hens, but shooting the shit sounds so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I think that encapsulates yeah. it so much, so much better. So this Weedy Weedy, we're talking about Charlene's favorite subject of all times, deportes, sports. Oh, yeah. No, it's not <laughs> Charlene's mm-hmm. favorite subject, but, you know, it is a favorite subject of mine, but also it, it's just tied to the Latinx community. Like, sure. what are the sports that you think of, Charlene, when, when you're thinking of Latinx sports? Boxing. Faux show. Football. Faux show. That's all. That's it. <laughs> I think of el baseball because okay. baseball is one of my favorite sports, and also MMA. Like that's an up and coming. Mm. Okay. Sure. There's yeah. There's a lot of Latinx um, fighters involved in MMA. Albuquerque has an MMA hub that okay. is um, that's got a lot of. Uh, prominence because some of the, the the people who fight out of Albuquerque but because you said boxing first is that one of the sports that you and your father used to watch it is and I, I mean the introduction is slightly misleading because it's not that I don't like sports but I'm certainly not um so I'll say this my favorite baseball team for years has been the Yankees because I love the color navy blue, and I am just quite, quite uh, enamored with pinstripes. So mm. this is how I normally choose teams. Now my sister, <laughs> my little sister lives in Chicago, and I remember I went to go see her for Thanksgiving one year, and I was flying home. And in the airport, there were these mass, this mass of people gathered around this one sports bar in the airport that had a tv and people were going crazy hugging each other they couldn't possibly all known each other and obviously this is pre way pre-covid because everybody's touching each other and all up on each other and and traveling and all the things but there was a bears game on Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. people were just about it there was this sense of community around it so now i also i love the bears um i will rep chicago teams white Sox, cubs because that's where my sister lives so and in my personal life, um, if I know the people playing, stand back. I am about to lose my voice. I will throw shit. I will get thrown out. I will be the super fan of all super fans because I, I get amped about it. I do love it. So it's not that I don't like sports. I just i am very particular about sports, but... And growing up, my dad wasn't a football guy. He didn't watch football. He didn't watch soccer. That's not what he did. My dad watched boxing. Like Julio Cesar Chavez was king in our house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my dad watched Bill Dance Fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Okay. I'm not kidding. Who okay. watches? Th- he would watch this old white dude fishing on the weekends. Like, how is this entertaining? But he would watch it. Wow. Did he get all mm-hmm. into what hooks he used? And oh, yeah. What lures. And, yeah. What, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like taking notes on this dude. 
Wow. And was your dad, a, like, did he go out and fish? Oh, yeah, he did. And and right before my parents got divorced, my dad had a bass boat. And there were, there were moments where he was actually contemplating going pro, like being entering tournaments and things like that, going fishing. So as a kid, I did a lot of fishing with my dad because that was his thing. That was his favorite thing. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I had totally forgotten that they had fishing as a sport on on TV. But, you know, nowadays on ESPN, they're probably showing anything that they can possibly get their hands <laughs> on because they're, we've, we've got a lack of sports mm-hmm. um, as of late. But boxing was, like, like you, my father used to watch boxing, uh, Oscar de la Hoya, um, mm-hmm. Albuquerque hometown favorite, Johnny Tapia, who mm-hmm. may he rest in peace. Um, yeah, boxing was a thing in our house. Yep. And two of my cousins, three of my cousins out of Arizona did golden gloves. Mm-hmm. So it was like a family boxing thing. Yep. Um, we didn't watch football as in soccer, but we did watch football and Dallas Cowboys was, was his team, which is why Dallas Cowboys is not my team. <laughs> did yes. not. Okay. Mm-hmm. But those are, you know, those are some of the ones that are, are tied to the Latinx community. I absolutely love baseball, and Fernando Valenzuela is my guy. Like, Do tell. Tell me a little bit. Who is this Fernando Valenzuela? Like, I've heard the name, but I could not tell you what team he played for or why it's important. Well, he's mo- he's best known for having played for the Dodgers. He played with them for 10 years from mm. 80 to 90. And also known as Doyers. Los Doyers. Mm-hmm. He's from Mexico, and um, his nickname was El Toro, and he really was a workhorse for the Dodgers. He was a starting pitcher. He was a lefty, which is not common in in baseball, batted left through left. Um, And he started off in 1980. When he started, he was legit a fresh rookie making a debut for that season. So, you know, yes – Rookies obviously make a de- debut when they when they go throw for the first time. But he was throwing his first time throwing was the first season of or the first game of the 1980 season for the Dodgers, and they put mm-hmm. him in there to to throw. And under him, you know, they had a lot of success because of his arm. They had a really great pitching staff, but also they won a, a huge fan base, and and they had what was called like Fernando Mania, bringing in a lot of. Uh, fans from around um, the Latinx community mm-hmm. to because he was really really showcased as a player and honestly I can't I mean there was others that have come before him um, but I don't know that there was as big a fan following until Fernando Valenzuela pitched for the Dodgers and he is really really super tied to that history to that legacy which by the way he is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame yet and that that still like makes me a little angry. Yeah, but, what's up with that? I don't know. It, it's he's been so you ha- there's an, an amount of time after you retire that you become eligible. So he's been eligible because he is now retired or and has been for a while. Um but they haven't elected to put him in. That's such a pisser. Mm. But base baseball to me is is one sport that is super tied. Like you have Pudge Rodriguez, you've had, um, my God, some of the best pitchers have come out of the Yankees um, who are Latinx. Like, I think the story was that Fidel Castro was also a pitcher from Cuba 
who if, if he would not have made it in the major leagues, he or if he would have made it in the major leagues, he wouldn't have been a dictator. But <laughs> that's I don't know how Baseball that's just saves rumor countries and lives. But. True. But sports is something that, you know, I think binds us, ties us together. And during this time frame that we're in the pandemic, mm. we're, we don't have that glue, that like extracurricular activity, that glue that, that holds us together. And like, like your airport scene where there's just a, mm-hmm. a bunch of people who Community. don't know oh, yeah. each other right. And they're mm-hmm. gathered around that television rooting mm-hmm. for a team. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know anything about the person, but if they're wearing your team, yes. you know that they're your people. Right. On whatever level, they're your people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we have seen the start of the MLB season, which is going to be a shortened season. There's only 60 games. And I have never been so excited about the start of baseball season mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. I have this year. I was so excited I wore my baseball cap and my Dodgers shirt to work because I was just so excited that it was going to start. And then you have these stories coming out where there's um, like outbreaks of, of people testing positive for COVID, like with the Mariners, I'm sorry, the Marlins. And Mm, yeah. And for a split second, my, my only hope of normalcy was starting to slip through my fingers. Like Mm -hmm. this was the one thing we were looking for. And yes, there are football games or soccer games, football that you can watch on ESPN. There's nobody in the stands. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's pretty much coaching staff players and, and refs and of course medics if necessary. Um, Pretty much same with basketball. They've been, they've been doing some, Mm -hmm. um, I guess exhibition games. I don't think it's a full season. We're not likely not going to s- see a whole bunch of uh, American football, uh, yeah. either collegiate or otherwise. So we're it's the year, and th- this may be more than a year, but the year without a whole bunch of sports. There's not much for us to to be that community around if mm-hmm. it's if it's not around, and we're losing that glue. Yeah, and you want, I mean, you want people to be safe. You want people to just have that ability to not be around others if they need to. But, like, if that's your job and you're getting paid to play, then they're telling you you need to get out here. You know, I don't know how much of a choice you have. I I also think definitely sports can unite strangers, um, people that don't know each other, but also... It feels like sports as of late has been a platform that players are using to let their political views be known and let their, you know, who they, their identity is like, I'm not just a football player. I'm not just a basketball player. I am a person and I have identities and these are my identities and I'm going to represent those here on this platform for everybody to know. So, you know, it's it's important. It's obviously very important to American society and other, I mean, other cultures too, other countries as well but very very critical to uh that glue that is us for sure and and you know charlene you're you're touching on something that's super important which is utilizing your position on on a sports team or in sports as a platform Mm -hmm. and yes recently we've had a microscope on that Mm -hmm. um colin kaepernick from the san francisco 49 or formerly of the san francisco 49ers kneeling for the anthem 
and how much flack he got. Mm-hmm. But now, I don't want to say it's trendy. I don't want to demean what he was doing, but certainly you see more people kneeling um, for the opening games. It was um, Yan- uh, the Yankees knelt. I think almost all of the team members knelt for the national anthem. The Dodgers did not, not all of them, but um, you, you are seeing more people mm-hmm. taking that stand. And, the, you know, not that Colin Kaepernick is the first to have done this. No, there were the Olympic track runners mm-hmm. who got stripped of their medals because yep. they lifted their, their fists um, in recognition of the mm-hmm. oppression but yep. this has been certainly a, a year for that for an athlete's platform to be even greater heard and for sports teams to even rethink their positions like the washington football team mm-hmm. who are no longer using the mascot that for so long yeah. had had been a symbol of of stigma of our First Nations or Indigenous people. A stereotype. Yeah, yeah, such a stereotype of them. And mm-hmm. this year really has caused that, um, caused people to, to look differently, to be introspective, to even make different decisions. Here in our, our own city, Charlene, we've, one of our high schools, which was mm-hmm. named after um, a Spanish uh, conquistador who didn't find New Mexico, but claimed it for New Spain. Yeah. And and was incredibly oppressive to the the, the indigenous people, the Pueblo people here in, in New and Mexico. And by oppressive, you mean murder, rape, pillage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost killed an entire <laughs> tribe, the Acoma the Acoma Pueblo. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a school was named after him in Las Cruces. It's one of the most recent schools. There's four here. And the school board, it was a huge deal to change the mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible what we've seen this year of just, I don't want to say enlightenment, but definitely eyes opening, second thoughts happening on treatment, actions, you, even your history of what you've said and where you can grow. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, having, I, I go think, ahead. No, no, I agree. I think seeing that some think seeing some of that play out in in the sports arena is incredibly important because of that community. Mm-hmm. They are leaders. They make a difference. Their voices are heard. So when when it happens in sports, it 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 can cause those conversations. It can it can be a culture shift. Right. Yeah, I, and I do, I do think there is a wider audience that is taking a second look and taking the time to say, this is my team. If, if they're taking a hard look at what this means in terms of what they stand for, then maybe I too should do that. Maybe I should take a closer look. Maybe it's not just just a name maybe it's not just a mascot maybe it means something to a group of people i haven't considered before um and then there are some people that are like why do you got to politicize everything why are you making this about whatever and you know everybody gets offended by everything there's all of that kind of talk too and 
you know, back, I, I, if you are not offended by some of these things and have never been offended by some of these things, you know what? Good for you. And that is what we call privilege. So, uh, think outside of yourself a little bit and, and recognize that if somebody is saying they are oppressed and offended and, and all the things by this, what you thought was insignificant, maybe it's time you do a little soul searching and a little research and a little talking to some people that are different than you. And these might be uh. opportunities for within the Latinx community. And I know we've talked about anti-blackness in the Latinx community, but you know, the mm-hmm. reality is that in some of these sports, you see that intersection of those identities right like in in soccer and in baseball there are players who are black and latino Mm -hmm. and those conversations happen because you're seeing the treatment of these players who are your gente Mm -hmm. but also get treated terribly because of their skin because of that anti-blackness that we have. And so maybe these are opportunities given our community that we can have these conversations. Absolutely. They're being, they're being paid well and they are definitely living a life that is beyond what many of us could possibly imagine, particularly for some of these very well-paid athletes. Um, But at the end of the day, they're still being, they're still living as a black person in the United States or as a token of an entertainer, you know, for many people. So when you have to break that down and see them as human, yeah, that's hard. That that's, that's causing people to reflect on some things that may be uncomfortable. And you know what? Good. I say good. Let's think, let's grow, let's do better. Um, you're talking about Onyata and you're talking about soccer and it's reminding me that a guy that I uh, grew up with as a teenager, you know, in adolescence, was an amazing soccer player, one of the most amazing soccer players I've ever seen. Uh, Freddie Juarez, Wencho Oñate, um, also played for the El Paso, for the Patriots for a little while, soccer team, but uh-huh. he's now the head coach of um, Real Salt Lake, the MLS team. So shout out to Freddie, because he's amazing. Um, also Edgar Castillo, who I used to babysit, he was a little boy and I would babysit him and his brothers, which is hilarious because my ex-husband played on a bunch of soccer teams and I would go, you know, travel with them sometimes. And I was the babysitter because I don't know, these kids were just hilarious, but Edgar, uh, is playing for Atlanta United MLS. So out of Las Cruces, some good, you know, big football footballistas out there playing representing las cruces and new mexico so shout out to them for getting out there and uh and making their passion and what they loved uh, a career and you know just repping repping little southern new mexico so shout out to them makes me happy i'm gonna give a shout out to you too because when i brought up the 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 uh, topic of doing deportes sports for our weedy weedy you're like wait but you're gonna have to do the heavy lifting and i had to keep reminding you you started a sports league in our own city <laughs> I know, you can't separate so yourself that from that so I, you know yeah you're right and that was i still say that was my first baby i love my children but that was my first baby and i will always be so proud of crossroad city derby flat track roller derby um, 
I did not ever consider. I played sports in high school. I sh- and I, I sh- correction. I was on sports teams in high school. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. But that was the first time I considered myself an athlete. Was when we were playing roller derby. It was the hardest thing I had ever done, and it just it changed my mentality completely to be on the track with other badass people who were literally trying to protect me and I was trying to protect physically. Um, it, it just, it changed so much of what my reality was in that moment. And I still, if I go to a roller derby game, yeah, I'm losing my voice. I'm going to embarrass my family. It's all going to fall out. All of it. I, yeah. Cray. You do get cray. Absolutely. Um, and, and we have talked about that derby in, in that. That's how we met, you and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walked in one day and I saw this skinny, definitely younger than me individual and super excited, a bunch of energy. And it was, it was kind of, I didn't have, I didn't own skates. So you put us to work doing like this workout, like, okay, well, you guys are going to have to start working out and doing something. Cause to that point, I really, <laughs> I was not, I was certainly not an athlete. I had to, yeah, I had to work at being halfway decent at Derby. Um, okay. so we have talked about roller Derby before, but, um, what was your favorite part about playing? Hmm. Besides the after party? <laughs> yes. Um, I think just that that camaraderie that is certainly, I mean, when giant, fierce, athletic women, men, people are trying to knock the shit out of you, <laughs> there's some trauma bonding that happens with you and the people who are wearing your uniform back to that the community building that is athletics it it does something to your chemistry it does something to your brain that says these are my people and in those moments of competition very very physical competition those are your hermanas like those are your people there is no doubt that you are putting your bones and your blood on the line for these folks uh with your uniform on and it's just a it's such a beautiful thing um, and it is all for fun and you can say like people get too dramatic about sports and all of that but when you know what when your heart is pounding and you are sweating and you are fucking scared and you're on that line and you're waiting for the whistle to blow that's your lifeline like i mean it's real in that moment that is your lifeline so those were my favorite parts i think just that feeling like people really had my back in a literal way that extended to you know all the other ways it was uh people had my back and i loyalty is one of my top core if you want to describe a human that i adore and admire loyalty is going to be one of their top characteristics that's very important to me and that was the epitome of loyalty for me i appreciated so much that you brought that sport to this town i think it changed a lot of well it changed my life but it changed a lot of 
people's lives who were involved because they were in places where they needed to find roller derby Mm -hmm. in order to find themselves, to find themselves out of shit situations, to find themselves being a better parent, a better coworker. It was certainly, or it is certainly an outlet. I mean, right now they're on pause, but um, it is certainly an outlet that the players have for whatever, whatever, wherever they are in their life. Absolutely. It, yes, it meant so many different things to different people. Um, and you, you know, for the most part, people got out of it what they put in. And that, that's also something, I mean, it's not always in the world where the harder you work, the, the more benefits you reap from things. And Derby was kind of one of those things. I mean, the harder you worked, it showed, you know, if you proved yourself on the track, if you worked hard, then people appreciated that. Even if, even if you weren't the best skater, even if you weren't the highest scorer, even if there was this respect that you could earn by giving it your all, whatever that looked like in that moment. So that's kind of a beautiful thing that, that I feel like is pretty rare other places. Agreed. And and I love that sense of community that, that has bonded us, that has bonded us with other, uh, other friends that we've just stayed in contact with that are part of our family now. Um, and that's what, you know, when I think of sports, I think that's part of, that's part of sports inherently is that family that you've created in this, in this, whatever track field, um, basketball, what, whatever venue you're at playing that sport, you've created this tightness, this close-knit community, this family. Um, I do think, though, that there is something unique about a roller derby player where I can't see that just some dude on the street who's like, yeah, bro, I used to play Gus Macker. And then this other dude that used to play Gus Macker, like that they're going to be hugging in the street when they were strangers before. But if you find somebody who played derby wherever and you don't know that person from anybody and they see you and you're like, oh, yeah, I used to play Crossroad City Derby. I was a Susia. They're like, oh, I used to play whatever small town, wherever. You're instantly bonded. Like, and I, I mean, I got to say that that's, that comes from a female-dominated sport. I don't know that you find that in other places. There is something unique about derby that bonds people in a way that is I haven't seen other places. Very true. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the beautiful things about roller derby, tying this back to Latinx um, gente, is just how many teams there are out of latin america Mm -hmm. and for me it's just so beautiful to see them on the track competing because other sports are so heavily white dominated right like usa russia and you know europe they win the gold medals and whatever all the time um but with derby when you go to the world championships and you see team brazil and argentina in Mexico. And I'm just like, hell yeah. Hell mm-hmm. yeah. That's mm-hmm. how many are coming out and are playing and doing their best and just being amazing on wheels. Um, and I'll, I'll lose my voice watching them play. I love it. 
I love it. I absolutely love seeing how much that has grown and the empowerment that comes with it Mm -hmm. uh, in playing this sport. So for all y'all listening to the Weedy Weedy, when, when the question is asked, what sports do you tie with a Latinx community? And you go down the <laughs> list, oh, boxing, soccer, baseball, roller derby. That's yes. going to be on your top five, I hope. Do it, do it. And talk about it as a sport. We need more recognition, more awareness. Roller derby is a sport. But whatever, I mean, whatever your sport is, however you find community, people are definitely feeling that gap right now, feeling that loss of belonging so uh, let's when is it gonna when are we gonna get back to that cat i don't know baseball is not looking so good Uh, uh, we'll give it another another year and change vaccines are happening hopefully with us with people wearing masks as they should when they should uh, in a year, we'll have some some light at the end of the tunnel, and we can once again start watching and bonding over uh, what is it? Nine people in a huddle wearing helmets, getting ready to crush the other side, or whatever sport you, it is that you watch. Aww, that's yes, and you know, let us know. Drop us a line. What's your favorite sport? What are you doing to make up for the lack of sports right now? Are you watching How fishing? Are you- are you watching Bill Dance reruns? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, so let us know. Hit us up. Where the, where can they hit us up, Charlene? Oh, Instagram. Uh, Pacha Podcast. Instagram, you can find us on Facebook. You can occasionally find us on Twitter. I always forget the Twitters. Um, and we are, you know, you can stream us reruns, new episodes that drop on the 15th and then bonus content on the 30th of every month, mostly, on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the good places where you find podcasts. That's our rundown because you're the bestest in the Westest. Aww. Yes. This has been the August Weedy Weedy Talking Sports, all things community within sports and love. Aww. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. Catch you next time. <laughs>